Amen. Good morning, everybody. God bless you this morning. Thanks for having me. Um, I do believe in prayer as well, and I know that God is a healer, and I just love to pray together with believers. I believe that there's a corporate anointing, a corporate um, strength in our prayers. So if you'll join me, I'd like to pray for Pastor Ben and, and for all those others who are dealing with illnesses and sicknesses. Amen. Healing is the children's bread, and uh, we just believe that God desires to heal. We believe, in fact, that Jesus, um, one of the things he accomplished in his sacrificial death was not only our salvation, but also our healing. Um, that spirit, soul, and body. So, Father in heaven, we do thank you, O oh God, this morning. We bless you, O oh God, for our identity in Christ. We thank you, O oh God, that you have called us unto yourselves. We thank you that Jesus became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Thank you, O oh God, that we're reconciled to you, and we know that in you, O oh God, there is no sickness. In you, there is no disease. So, Father, right now, we draw from that identity. We draw from your presence. And we pray, God, that let your will be done in Pastor Ben's body, in every one of our bodies what is done in heaven. Let your healing flow, oh God, to remove any and everything that's not like you. We pray, God, that you would pull out your healing in Jesus' name to raise up the sick for your glory and for your praise. We do thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. And all the saints of God said amen. 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 It's good to be back here again. I um, was just here a couple weeks ago. And for those of you who are here, I'm hoping you can indulge me this morning with a few of my questions. I, I, I like interaction. I love um, to talk back and forth. It, it, it helps me in my thinking. It helps me to kind of identify where you are. But most of all, it helps bring us together in one place. And I just believe that there's power when believers gather in one place, there's power, there's just such an exponential presence of God when, when believers are together in one place, on one, one accord with one mind. Um, this morning I'm blessed to have my wife Trivia with me, and we do bring greetings from Grace Beyond the Walls Church down in Collinson Square. Um, as I mentioned the last time I was here, Pastor Ben is one of my dear friends. We get a chance to pray together and um, do different work throughout the city together. So whenever I get a chance to come in, it's such an honor, uh, honor that I do not take lightly. Um, so this morning, if you would join me, let's turn our Bibles to 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter. First Timothy chapter four. We'll be reading for verse 1. Thank you.
And the Bible reads, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. This morning, I want to speak from a very simple sermonic theme. The Spirit expressly says. The Spirit expressly says. One of the questions we've been pondering on at our church since Holy Week is what would Jesus have been doing around about this time some 2,000 years ago? Another version of the question would be, what would the church have been doing round about this time some 2,000 years ago? And since Holy Week, we looked at week after week after week what Jesus and his church would have been doing some 2,000 years ago. We know that we're post-Pentecost, so by this time, some 2,000 years ago, Jesus would have already been betrayed, he would have already been crucified, he would have already been buried, he would have already resurrected. In fact, after his resurrection, he told Mary not to touch him because he still had to ascend to his father and their father, to his God and their God to offer up his blood in the tabernacle that's in heaven. His blood had to be without spot. He told Mary to go and tell his disciples to meet him in Galilee and that he would meet him there. By this time, some 2,000 years ago, he would have already offered his blood in heaven. His blood would have been accepted as a satisfactory sacrifice, the propitiation for our sins, God's wrath, Finally, after generations, was satisfied. Some 2,000 years ago, it would have been a turning of the page, a turning of the chapter, a turning of a dispensation, where God would no, not only dwell with us, but now the possibility of God dwelling in us would be born. A changing of dispensation. Jesus would then return to his disciples. And if you remember, while he was with them in the flesh, there were many things that he wanted to tell them. But they couldn't receive it. He said, you don't put new wineskin into old wineskin. It bursts. He said, so much I want to share you. So much I want to, but you can't yet receive it. Prior to his departure, he began to draw his disciples nigh. 
And he began to pour his heart out to him. He began to emphasize the importance of the church or the believers loving one another. He said, the world will know that you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. He also began to reveal to them that he was, it was expedient that he would leave. Because if he left, he could send the helper, the Holy Spirit. And he began to share with them the benefits of the Holy Spirit coming. One of the benefits, he said, that the Spirit of God, he, he would be a helper. He would lead and guide you into all truth. Another one of the benefits, he said, you will be endued with power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. But another one of the benefits of him sending the Holy Spirit is he said the Spirit will tell you things to come. Some 2,000 years ago, it would have been a turning of times, a turning of dispensations. We would no longer look forward to the coming of the Messiah. We can now, by faith, Look back. A new dispensation of time. Jesus, by this time some 2,000 years ago, he would have been spending time with his disciples after the resurrection. The Bible says that he spent 40 days giving them infallible proof that he was alive. On one occasion, Thomas said, I'm not going to believe. And Jesus appeared in the midst of him and said, Thomas, put your finger right here. Thrust your hand into my side. Thomas would fall on his face and say, oh, Lord, my God. And Jesus said, you believe because you have seen, but blessed are they who believe and have not seen. Some 2,000 years ago, it would have been a turning of times, a, a shifting of dispensation. Jesus began to give them infallible proof because he knew the atrocities that they were soon to face. He knew the persecution that they would undergo. He knew that because they believed in a, a risen Savior, that they would be ostracized by their families. They would be cut off from the community and the commonwealth of Israel. They would be aliens on the earth. He gave them infallible proof because the proof of his resurrection had to be more sure than the sufferings that they were soon to undergo. Their faith had to be solid because they would see loved ones killed at the, at the cross. They would see loved ones killed in the Colosseums. They would see loved ones burn on fire. And their faith had to be sure in fact, if you read the epistles, both Peter and John testified that I'm not telling you things that we heard. We're telling you what we've seen and what our hands have handled. Some 2,000 years ago, Jesus was transferring the kingdom of God to man. The Bible not only says that he gave them infallible proof that he was alive, but it also said that for 40 days, after his resurrection, he began to teach them things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So unlike our Western culture, 
Easter was not the end of the story. In fact, it was the inauguration of the story. It was the beginning of the greatest story ever told. That God would come and dwell and live among us. That Emmanuel would be in us. Some 2,000 years ago, Jesus would have told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem. And after he ascended back to heaven for 10 days, they met in the upper room praying and being on one accord. The Bible says that one of their Pentecost had fully come. They were together on one accord. And they all began to speak in unknown tongues. And as they began to speak in unknown tongues, there were Jews from all nations under heaven gathered together hearing them speak in their native tongue the wonderful mysteries of God. Some supposing that they had been drunk. But Peter, the same Peter who denied them just a few weeks prior, the same Peter who was afraid, the same Peter who said, I don't know him, that same Peter stood before them in the spirit of boldness and preached the most glorious gospel message ever heard. And the Bible said that on that day about 3,000 souls were saved. After Peter preached, the people were so convicted, they said, men and brethren, what must we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized, each one of you. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Not only that, he then told them to be saved from this perverse generation. And the Bible says that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. The Bible says that this newborn church met together daily. And they gave themselves to the apostles' doctrine. In other words, they stayed under the word of God. They stayed in fellowship. They stayed in prayer. And they broke bread from house to house. They became a community within a community. And it was in that context that I preached the last time I was here. And the message I spoke the last time I was here, we talked about kingdom culture. The culture of faith. We talked about not losing momentum. We're tempted always as Westerners to, to, to have these ebbs and flows. And, and, and we have all kinds of reasons why we should break momentum. But the Bible tells us that do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. It's imperative that we stay in a culture of faith. It's imperative because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as the believers stayed together and they gave themselves continually and steadfastly to the apostles' doctrine, the Bible says that fear came among every man. And the Bible says that all kinds of miracles were being done by the hands of the apostles. And the Bible says that God added daily to the church, those who are being saved. It's imperative that we stay 
in the culture of faith. Because it's through faith that we attain the kingdom of God. It's through faith that we access the promises of God. Faith is to the kingdom of God what our hands are to this physical world. It's, in, it's with our hands that we do business in this physical world. But it's with our faith that we do business in the kingdom of God. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. The Bible says we should walk by faith, not by sight. The Bible says that we should fight the good fight of faith. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The last time I was here, we talked about the necessity of the culture of faith and us protecting the culture of faith. Because it shall be unto us according to our faith. Our dealings in the kingdom of God is hugely dependent on our development of faith. Glory to God. This morning, I want to continue that thought that we as believers must follow the model given to us in Scripture to keep ourselves steadfast and continual in the Apostles' Doctrine, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. Amen. The last time I was here, I encouraged us to not take a vacation from the Word of God. Not to take a vacation from fellowship. Not to take a vacation from the breaking of bread and press. It's, it's too critical. We can't lose the momentum of our faith because the times are so desperate and dire. And the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 4 that the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. We are in the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. As believers, one of our greatest priorities and challenges is to learn to cooperate and relate to the Holy Spirit. God the Father is not here. Jesus the Son is not here. But the Holy Spirit is here. And he's here to lead the church. To empower the church. To teach the church. He speaks to the church. In John chapter 16, verse 13, the Bible says, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. 
One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, one of the things that the Holy Spirit does, one of the benefits of the Holy Spirit in this dispensation is that he will speak what he hears. Whatsoever he hear from the Father, he will speak. He'll communicate it to us. And he'll also tell us things to come. We as believers, we as the church of Jesus Christ, have the grace of being told what's to come by the Spirit of God. As believers, we should expect to hear from the Spirit of God. We should train ourselves to hear from the Spirit of God. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow. The Spirit of God has been speaking to his church and through his church since the ascension of Jesus. And here in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, the Spirit expressly says, as I told you the last time, I would say I love words. And even when I think I know what a word means, I love to look the word up. By chance, does anyone know what the word expressly means? Explicitly? That was one of the words, synonyms I found. Explicitly. Anybody else? Specifically. Or specific. So in other words, the Spirit specifically says, the Spirit explicitly says, another synonym I found was clearly. The Spirit clearly says that in the latter days, in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. One of the things that the Spirit warns us of is that in latter times, there will be believers who will depart from the faith, who will depart from their steadfastness, and they will begin to give heed to deceiving spirits and, and doctrines of demons. How many of you would agree that there are some doctrines in the earth today that are purely and holy and emphatically demonic. They come straight from the pit of hell. There are some teachings in our land that given time, those teachings will be accepted by the masses. But nonetheless, they're still demonic in nature. Never has popularity been the determination of truth. The Bible says that in latter times, people would depart from the faith and they'll give heed to deceiving spirits. They'll give heed to doctrines of demons. How many of you would agree that there are times that it just feels like that the, that the world it's just closing in on us. 
How many of you agree that, that we, we live in some dark times and some dangerous times, some unnatural times? But there's all kind of arguments about what's true and what's not, what's good and what's evil. How many of you would agree that we're in a, a day and time in which there's some things that are clearly evil and wrong are being promoted and propagated as truth? Deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. How many of you would agree that, that there's been a time or two when you've been baffled because one who you just knew was solid in the faith began to agree and compromise over what's true and begin to agree with some of these teachings that though controversial are still evil. Beloved, the Spirit expressly says that in these times, Many will depart from the truth. They'll depart from the faith. And I just believe that when the Spirit says, we ought to pay attention. But even more so, when the Spirit expressly says, we ought to really pay attention. Beloved, I want to encourage you in this day and time in which we live, do not be overwhelmed and moved by the popular masses. As believers in Jesus Christ, it's imperative that we remain closely joined together, continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Fellowship, the breaking of bread, and is critical. It's absolutely critical that we raise our children in the nurturing and training of the Lord. Because the media is so bent against the truth and the deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons are coming from all over the place. They're coming through all kind of mediums and, 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 and all, all kind of entertainment and, and even in our education systems. And as a result, Many, many will not only depart from the faith, but many will have trouble believing our faith. When you have young people growing up under the culture of demonic spirits and, and doctrines of demons, when they grow up and they're conditioned by, by what they see and what they're hearing, and they're con it's going to be hard for them to decipher the truth. When they're so conditioned by deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, the spirit expressly says that in latter times, many would depart from the faith. But there's good news. And the good news is that Jesus died and rose again to give birth to a church, to give birth 
to a people, to give birth to a body that would stand in complete contrast to the world. Do you not know that we, the church, are the hope of God? Do you not know that we, the church, are the good news? Do you know that we, the church, is God's strategy to rescue and save many who otherwise would be lost? We are the good news. And the fact that God could forewarn us that these times will come, it encourages us because it reveals to us the sovereignty of God. That God knew these days, and yet he allowed these days. We are God's answer to the world. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. We are the city on a hill that cannot be hidden. So we, the church, are to stand out as God's people has always stood out. We, the church, ought to be distinct and separate. No, the, the masses will always be to the contrary. For the Bible says that wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many are they that follow or go in. But narrow is the gate and straight is the way that lead to life. And there's only few who find it. We the church, we're the good news. We're the people of God. The salt of the earth, the light of the world, the city on a hill that cannot be hidden. We are the pillar and ground of the truth. The church. We're the good news. We are the pillar and ground of the truth. So when the world is baffled, when the world is conflicted, when the world is controversial, we, the church, are the pillar and ground of truth. Our yes is yes, and our nay is nay. We're not tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. God's word is the standard, and it's the standard in which we point to. We are the good news. We are the bride of Christ. We are the vessels that have been set apart and sanctified and fit for the master's use. We're God's strategy to ministering to this lost world today. We are the vessels that have been chosen by God. We're the mystery that's been hidden for generations. Christ in us. The hope of glory. We have access to the kingdom of God. There's no other entity in the earth that has such access. But we, the church, have we, we, we have access to heaven. And it's as we congregate and gather and believe and put the word to practice that we'll see heaven on earth, that we'll see mystery, signs, and wonders in the very midst of us. 
is done in this kingdom is done by God's spirit. This is the good news. A marker to me just feel like it's beginning to boil. Politically, racially, socioeconomically, there's so much pressure this, 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 in this pressure cooker. There's threats of civil war, threats of all kinds of things. And, and we, the church, have to have a different narrative than that of the world. Our voice has to be distinctly different. Because I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. And I sense this from the Spirit of God. That with all that we're observing in the world, that there has to be repercussions. With all the, the controversial laws that's going on politically, there has to be a backlash. There has to be consequences. Because the, the principle and the law of sowing and reaping is real. And what's going to happen, the United States of America, I believe, is going to begin to see the backlash and, and start getting the consequences of its sin. And we, the church, the reason why it's necessary that we stay constant, that we continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, Breaking of bread and bread. The reason why it's critical that we stay within the, the, the culture of faith is because when the time comes for people to start receiving the consequences of their sin, they're going to be looking for truth. They're going to be looking for healing. They're going to be looking for comfort. They're going to be looking for somewhere to find answers. And it's then that the church shines most brilliantly. Light is most light in the context of darkness. So I just believe that God has sovereignly chosen you and me for this hour. Not that we conform to the world, but that we honestly and truly be set apart, growing our faith and developing our faith and learning to grow in godliness and accessing the kingdom of God so that when the time comes, the world is hurting. When their gods begin to topple and they're overwhelmed with disappointment and discouragement and they come to the church, we have answers to give. We have real and authentic presence of kingdom and presence of heaven and the presence of God to offer them. It's then that we'll need the true and authentic power of God to heal and save and deliver. It's not going to be just a sermon, a song, and a shout. We're going to need the authentic power of God that has always been available to us through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's not the time to run and say, okay, let me build up my faith, let me build up my faith. No, it's in that moment that our faith it's going to need to be mature, strong, and solid. The greatest thing we have, saints, is the kingdom of God. 
It's not our houses. It's not our careers. It's not our cars. If you remember, the early church sold all that stuff in pursuit of a greater kingdom. We are the answer that the world is looking for. They don't even know it. God has entrusted to us a great responsibility. We are Jacob's ladder. It's in and through us, on us, that angels ascend and descend as we gather together and we pray. We're not just merely uttering empty words into the air. But we literally become a portal from heaven to earth through which God can work to meet the needs of the people. The Spirit of God expressly says that in the latter times, many would depart from the faith. But we, the church, will grow stronger and stronger and stronger. We are the kingdom of God. We're the hands and feet of God in the earth. And God desires to use us. The Bible says that we are to exercise ourselves to a godliness. The Bible says that we are to desire spiritual gifts. There's so much available to us. And as we sit under the apostles' doctrine, we begin to learn about this new kingdom. We begin to learn about this new covenant that we have with him. We begin to learn that salvation is more than struggling all of our lives trying to get to heaven and getting a get-free pass to heaven. Salvation is so much more. The salvation that we have is so great that the Bible said that even angels desire to look into it. Angels on the edge of their seat looking at the church. Even the creation is, is sitting on edge waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. My prayer is that God would begin to open the eyes of the church, that the church would begin to understand with spiritual understanding the inheritance that we have in Christ. Beloved, I want to encourage you to train yourself to listen for the voice of the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God has been given to the church as a wonderful gift. And as we tune in, he'll give us insight for the generation, but he'll even give us insight for our individual personal lives. The Spirit of God desires to walk with us and talk with us and speak with us. The primary way he'll speak to us is through his word, but he'll also speak to us in visions and dreams. He'll speak to us through prodding our hearts. You ever had your heart prodded? Well, he, he just begin to just lay something on you, just can't shake it. You can't get rid of it. You try to ignore it, it just stays persistently on your heart. It's one way that the Spirit of God speaks. Another indicator that the Spirit of God is speaking is that there will always be a corresponding peace. When you're being led of the Spirit, there'll be an inner peace. It could be hell all around you. But peace will shroud your soul. Listen for his voice. Practice obeying his voice. 
as soon as you hear His voice. You could hear a word that God may want you to share. Could be a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, a prophetic word. Obey God. We are in a dispensation where reliance on the Spirit of God is essential. It's not our programs and, and, and our little toys that's going to do the, the, the work. God is going to trust us with wounded, hurting people who have been disappointed by their gods, disappointed by the world, and we're going to need the authentic, authentic presence of God. The Spirit expressly says, that not only will many depart from the faith, the Spirit also says, that we are his church. We are the bride of Christ. We're ambassadors of Christ. We've been entrusted with the word of reconciliation. We're ministers of reconciliation. We have access to the kingdom of God. God always leads us in triumph in Christ. We're victors. And as we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he promised that all other things will be added. Family, I want to encourage you to continue to meet together. Please, continue to listen to the word. Practice what you hear. Grow your faith. Develop your faith. Practice your faith. Please. This is not a static faith that we have. It's living. And it can grow. Grow your faith. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Faith without works is dead. But faith with works is alive. Practice your faith. As you're in the workplace. As you're out and about and you just hear tugging on your heart. To share the gospel with somebody. Share the gospel with them. If you feel a tugging on your heart, to just go and sit with somebody, go and sit with them. Sometimes you might simply be, I, I don't know why I'm, I, I, I'm sitting there. I just feel led to be next to you. Practice listening to the inner voice of God's spirit. Desire spiritual gifts. Ask God for spiritual gifts. It's available to us. It's our inheritance. Ask the Father. It blesses Him to see His children asking for what He desires to give us. We are the hope of the world. And though we're in difficult, controversial times, we are right where we belong. God has sovereignly chosen you and I to be amongst this generation. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus. It's through us. The 
that the darkness will tremble. Hallelujah. It's through us that the darkness will tremble. As we give ourselves continually and steadfastly to him and he begins to grow that which he's deposited in us. As he grows it and matures us, the darkness trembles around us. The enemy of our soul will love nothing more than for us to, to, to approach this faith leisurely or casually. Beloved, this is our life. And I just want you to encourage you to pay attention to what the Spirit is saying. And especially what the Spirit is saying expressly. Can we pray? Oh God, we thank you for the grace bestowed to us. We thank you for this new covenant. We thank you. Oh God, thank you for choosing us, for calling us. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you, God, that you are hope that's greater than this world. Thank you, God, that we never have to be moved with what's happening in the media, what's happening in current events. Thank you, God, for giving us something greater. Thank you, God, when life overwhelms us, oh God, we can run to you. For your name, oh God, is a high tower. The righteous run to it and I say, we thank you for this covenant of grace that we have. We thank you for the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that Jesus is making intercession for us and the Holy Spirit is working in us and through. We thank you, God, for the riches of our inheritance with the saints. God, would you illuminate the eyes of our understanding, open our hearts, cause your word to burn in us, oh God, and help us, oh God, to be filled with the bold, boldness of your spirit, oh God. Help us to get excited, oh God, about being separate and, and to set apart, oh God. To get excited, oh God, about being the hope of the world, the light of the world, the salt of the earth, oh God. Give us boldness and wisdom to share the gospel. We pray, God, that you will pour out your spirit. Help us to stay together, God. I thank you for this place of worship. I thank you for my friend, Pastor Ben, oh God, his wife, Rebecca, their family, oh God. I just pray, God, that you will continue to strengthen them and provide for them, oh God, and encourage them, oh God. Cover them especially, oh God. Give them wisdom for these times. Wisdom for this community. Raise up the help that's needed, oh God. For each member here, oh God, I pray blessings on them. I pray, God, that you will encourage their souls. I pray, God, that you would just continue to strengthen them with might in their inner man. God, that you'll open the scriptures to them and that their hearts will burn, oh God, as they read the Holy Scriptures. God, we thank you for your presence. Jesus, Jesus, make the darkness tremble through us, oh God. Jesus, Jesus. 
Open graves, oh God. You're alive. You're alive. And we are your witnesses. So God, we bless your name on today. We give you praise that the Spirit does speak expressly. There's no doubt. There's no wondering. There's no surprise when it happens because your Spirit speaks expressly. He's warned us about these times and we thank you. Now would you be an anchor to our soul. In Jesus' name we pray and we thank you. And the church of God said amen, amen, and amen.